already. Proverbs chapter 6 tonight as we continue our study. Wisdom that works. Now I want to preface this message a little bit. I'm going to preview the text, but before I even do that, I want to preface the type of message that I'm preaching tonight. Because if I wasn't committed to sequential expositional preaching, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, the reason why I'm committed to that is that's just how the Word of God was written. It was written in books. So I want to preach it that way. And if we're committed to that, if I wasn't committed to that, I would never preach Proverbs 6, 1 through 5. I likely wouldn't preach it. Um, unless it was like maybe a small group or a Sunday school lesson or something like that. Not because it's any less inspired. You've got to understand Proverbs 6, 1 through 5, it is as inspired by God as John three sixteen. It is part of, uh, of the Word of God and the canon of Scripture. But it's just not something that would pop off the page and say, preach this. It doesn't have potential for soul-stirring revival. And so in my carnality, I'm not sure I would just go to that and preach it. But the benefit of expositional preaching, sequential expositional preaching, is that we're going to preach the whole counsel of God. Are you with me? We're going to preach the verses that, that from the page don't seem as exciting. It might not be as exciting as the narrative we found in Ruth. And even in our carnality, we'd say, well, I don't even know if that applies to me. Let me prepare you for this message tonight. God's word always applies to you. It either applies right now or it's going to apply in the future. It's like changing your oil. You do that so, so that your engine doesn't break down. And I think sometimes we're just changing the oil a little bit with some of these messages. And I'm, I'm confident there are some people who this message is going to speak to right where you're at tonight. I'm confident of that. But I'm also confident there are a lot of people in my age demographic that we're going to need this in maybe 10 years. And so you need to tuck this away. Because I talk to too many people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s that tell me, I wish I would have listened 10 years ago. So listen to this word, hide it away in your heart, and understand that this is God's plan for us on this night. To preach this type of message and this truth. Very, very practical message um, and very, very specific in terms of finances. Now, Solomon has just finished an entire chapter warning his sons of the dangers of the strange woman. Immediately in chapter 6, he's going to start chapter this chapter, verses 1 through 5, with financial advice. And it seems kind of like a strange transition at first. You know, you're imagining Solomon sitting down with Rehoboam, talking to him. He's just going from one lecture to the next. And he goes from talking about sex to talking about money. But when you consider all of chapter 6 from, from, from an elevated view, a big picture, you kind of get a glimpse into what Solomon's trying to accomplish in his son's life because in chapter 5 he warns his son about the dangers of the strange woman and then chapter 6 he warns his son about the dangers of being surety for a friend I'll tell you what that means tonight and then he talks about and warns his son about the dangers of the sluggard the lazy man and then he warns his son about the dangers of the naughty man he says or the wicked man in other words Solomon is saying that the strange woman isn't the only person that has the potential to ruin one's life some might not struggle as much with sexual temptation, but they will be more susceptible to letting financial, foolish financial decisions ruin their life. Or they'll be more susceptible to letting laziness ruin their life. Or the influence of a wrong person in their life to 
bring them down. So in tonight's message, we're going to look at the danger of financial foolishness. And Solomon, I think, treats these dangers as serious as he treats the danger of sexual temptation. Because don't you understand that foolish financial decisions can ruin one's life and cause one to be as unstable as as a decision to, to sin sexually? This is an important thing. I want to read our text and then we'll get into uh, explaining it and applying it tonight. Verse 1 of chapter 6. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth, do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go, humble thyself. And make sure thy friend, give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe, or a, a doe, from the hand of the hunter, and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. If I titled the message, it would be this tonight, when generosity backfires. When generosity backfires. H- have you ever been generous towards someone, and your generosity backfired? They didn't repay you, took advantage of you. They didn't live up to their end of the deal. They disappointed you. You felt like you were doing the right thing in the moment. You were being generous. You were helping somebody get back up on their feet. But they didn't live up to their end of the deal. Your generosity backfired. One of the ways Solomon points out that this can happen most often is by being surety for someone. What does that mean? Well, the way we would say it today is being a cosigner for someone. What is co-signing? It's, it's when your child needs a loan of $10,000 to make up a college tuition shortfall. Or your sister, who is also a single mom, needs a loan to buy a house with a yard for her kids. Or your buddy has a brilliant idea for an exciting new business he says is guaranteed to make millions, but he needs a loan to get started. Or your grandkid wants to buy their first car, but they don't have their own line of credit to get approved for a loan. It's when a situation like any of these I just mentioned arises and your approach personally to be the third-party co-signer on the loan, which means that if the person you're co-signing for cannot make the payments, you're responsible to pay for them. That is what Solomon means by being surety for a friend. While co-signing seems to be generous, and it is, on the surface, agreeing to be a co-signer Seems like a helpful, low risk, even I would say a benign gesture of support, especially for somebody you love. Solomon is going to warn us that it is often far from that. Perhaps there's not a form of generosity, I would say, that backfires more than that of being surety or co-signing. So let's see what the wisest and wealthiest man in the Bible had to say about it. Verse 1, he says, my son. Yet another example of good parenting. Not only should parents talk to their sons and daughters about the sexual relationship. Hear me, church. Parents should talk to their kids about money. That's something we just kind of overlook and think they'll figure it out themselves. I'm thankful for a dad that sat me down when I had my very first paycheck as a paper boy for Southwest Daily Times. $8.25 a month to get the paper from me. And I would go to the door, knock on the door, and I would have these little collection stubs. Any of y'all remember when a paper boy did that? They'd give you that little paper stub, and you gave them $8.25. Hopefully, you gave them a $10 bill. 
say, keep the change. Remember my dad sitting me down. I had 26 papers uh, right, uh, right over here, south uh, West Curtis and Spruce, in that, that neighborhood there. 26 papers. I, I drove around a little BMX, a little green bike. It's great. My dad sat me down and said, 10% of that goes to God. And then 15% on top of that goes into a savings account. And that left me with a big whopping $4.25 at the end of the month, I think. But my dad set me up for financial success. Was able to pay cash for my first truck. It wasn't much. It was an 87 Ford Ranger for Mike Puthers. Now, it was in good condition when I got it. Don't get me wrong. But it was an 87 Ford Ranger. Pay cash for it. Pay cash for my second vehicle. Pay cash for my entire first semester of college. Because my dad sat me down and talked to me about money. And our, listen, my generation and this generation here, they need to be taught how to handle money. America, the United States of America, is in the state that is in financially in a lot of regards because my generation was not raised to steward money correctly. And so we got these little plastic cards called credit cards. And my generation is notorious, and even the generation before me is notorious for sliding a credit card for things they can't afford. Somebody say amen. We need to teach our kids that's probably not wise. We, we got to talk to our kids about money. And Solomon did that. He also used the word if, if, two times. Did you see that in verse 1? If thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand or sh shake the hand of a stranger doing a, a kind of a deal for surety. And so you got to get in your mind that, that Solomon is not necessarily telling his son to not cosign. Are you with me? Okay. At least in this particular text. We're going to look at other texts in, in Proverbs in a moment. He's going to have a different purpose here. He's going to imagine a hypothetical situation in verse 1 or 2 where his son does co-sign for either a friend or a stranger and in verse 2 becomes trapped by the promise he made with his lips to help this person because the deal went bad. The person he became surety for was unable to make the payments and the debt fell on the son. It fell on the co-signer. He's going he's gonna to imagine this hypothetical situation, and then he's going to tell his son, if this happens to you, this is what you do. Unfortunately, though, this isn't always a hypo hypothetical situation. It's all very realistic in our society today, and history and facts prove that more times than not, when a person is generous enough to co-sign for a friend or a family member, it often backfires on them. Solomon's going to tell us what to do if that happens, but first I want to deal, a major part of this message, I want to deal with the question that comes to my mind as I deal with this, and maybe has already come to your mind regarding being a co-signer, and it's this, is it ever okay? Is it wise to be a co-signer? What does God think about being surety for a friend? Now let me tell you this, God is all about generosity. In fact, there were some financial laws set up in the Old Testament that encouraged generosity. You can study the book of Leviticus in two separate accounts. God encouraged the giving of loans to help people get back on their feet. In fact, he even forbade charging interest on those loans. So he was very, very, uh, he was all about being generous towards others. 
But let's dig a little bit deeper in the book of Proverbs to see what God thinks specifically about being a cosigner for somebody. And see what else Solomon has to say about being surety for a friend. They'll be on the screen so you don't have to turn there. For sake of time, look at Proverbs 11 and verse 15. He that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it. Now that's like, wait a second, is that, what is he saying there? Smart's not the same English word definition for the English word that we use in smart. It, it simply means to suffer for it. He that is surety for a stranger shall suffer for it. And he that hateth or stays away from co-signing, shortyship is sure. So the secure one is the one that doesn't do it. The one that is sure to suffer, Solomon says, is the one who co-signs. Okay, Proverbs 17, verse 18. A man void of understanding striketh hands. There's that, that figurative language again about, about shaking hands in the context of co-signing. And becometh surety in the presence of his friend. All right, next verse. Be not thou one of them that strike hands. Or of them that are sureties for debts. Now you tell me, do you think God is for cosigning? Based on those three verses, it doesn't seem like God is really all about the practice of being surety for a friend. But we have to remember how to properly interpret the Proverbs. A proverb is a it's not a specific promise, it's a general principle. With specific promises, you interpret it to mean, thus saith the Lord. There is no wiggle room, there's no flex, there's no exception. But since a proverb, watch here, since a proverb is a general principle, it has some flex to it. So the best way to interpret these proverbs regarding co-signing is to say this, generally speaking, Okay? When you co-sign for somebody, it backfires on you. It's generally and usually unwise. You could say this, in most cases, it doesn't work out well, so don't do it. Now, there are exceptions, and we're going to talk about these, but generally speaking, Solomon, the wisest and wealthiest man in the Bible, says it's generally not a good idea. Now, now I want to go back to teach you how to interpret Proverbs because it's very, very important. Uh, uh, Solomon said, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Have you ever trained up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he departed from it? Yes. It's a general proverb. Generally, if you, if you pour your heart and energy and resources into training your child in the way they should go, generally speaking, they're going to end up pretty well. But that's not a promise that you can take personal exception or expectation with. There are some exceptions there. Sometimes it doesn't work out well. And the same is true for co-signing or being surety. So let me introduce a few risks involved in this. The Federal Trade Commission on its website warns of, I lost my place, warns about co-signing. Look, you are being asked to guarantee this debt. This is what they tell you. Think carefully before you do. If the borrower does not pay the debt, you will have to. Be sure you can afford to pay if you have to and that you want to accept this responsibility. You may have to pay up to the full amount of the debt if the borrower does not pay. You may also have to pay late fees or collection costs, which increase this amount. The creditor can collect this debt from you without first trying to collect from the borrower. That's scary. The creditor can use the same collection methods against you that can be used against the borrower, such as suing you, garnishing your wages, etc. If this debt is ever in default, that fact may become a part of your credit record. 
So even the Federal Trade Commission warns you about the risk involved. Now, based on their warning, consider this a little deeper. In most cases, if you co-sign, you're t- now, now watch here, some of you are looking around and you're like, this is not applied to me because I'm never going to co-sign for somebody. Somebody might come to you and say, should I co-sign? And you just can't say, no, that's the stupidest thing in the world. Maybe you need to know your Bible a little bit to be able to explain it. Somebody say amen? amen. So follow this. In most cases, you're taking a risk on somebody that is not financially proven. Well, why do you say that? Well, the, real- the reality is this. If the lender, the bank, felt the original debtor could pay back the loan on their own, they wouldn't need a co-signer. Finance companies, watch, they have decades of collective data and information that helps them determine the likelihood of whether or not somebody will pay back a loan on their own. So so if they aren't willing to give the person a loan without a cosigner, it's because they don't feel that person is financially proven. And neither should you. Cosigning is also a high-risk, low-reward. You might cosign on a loan for a car you're not driving or a mortgage for a house you don't live in, but that doesn't change your liability. Your credit score benefits only slightly, they say, from the monthly payments. And since you qualified as a cosigner because of your good credit, you don't necessarily need more credit lines. By cosigning a loan, you take on all the risk if the loan is not repaid, but may only see a modest improvement to your credit score. High risk, low reward. The person you're helping no doubt will be happy, but you'll have a lot to lose. Think about this. The person you help probably has bad credit. So they may not be as concerned about whether another negative mark appears on their credit report. Needless to say, you have much more to lose, like relationships. Co-signing can destroy friendships. It can destroy families. I've seen it. The moment you have to confront the person who's who's supposed to be making their payments and they're not, you risk upsetting them. You may have to sell the car, threaten to kick them out of the house, and when that has to happen, the relationship will be strained at best. You're 100% reliable of a loan that could be a significant amount. I've heard stories where co-signing literally tanked a person's own personal finances because they were strapped with thousands of dollars to pay off. I'm not making this stuff up. Cosigning could make approval of a loan you need impossible. Take, for example, a cosigner for a car. Let's say the cosigner in this situation is actually signing for his child who has less than stellar credit. Unfortunately, by doing this, he's found himself denied for an application on a loan of his own because he has too much credit in his name. So by co-signing a loan, you, risk the, 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 you run the risk of increased debt-to-income ratio and also a ding to your own credit store if things go sour with the borrower's uh, payment habits, which can prohibit you in the short or long term for qualifying for loans of your own. Are you following this? I think we can all agree that co-signing is very risky, and though it's generous and it's kind, it has a lot of potential to backfire. The facts prove this. Now... There are a couple schools of thought, and you're free to take, enroll in whatever school of thought you want to tonight. That's completely up to you. Dave Ramsey, who I really appreciate, have learned a lot from, specifically in the area of debt reduction, takes a very radical approach to co-signing. He says that you don't need a line of credit because you, you should pay cash for everything. That's pretty radical. He says, I quote, you can watch it on YouTube, it's hilarious. If you co-sign for anybody at any time, you are 
stupid. <laughs> Words of Dave Ramsey. He does not have the gift of mercy, if you've ever listened to his radio show. But there's another school of thought that says that in some cases, it's okay to co-sign, uh, perhaps for, for like an 18-year-old who's financially responsible, has good character, they're proven, but they have no line of credit up to this point in their life. You can perhaps help them establish credit by co-signing for a car you know they can afford and you can afford. Uh, that happened in... in uh, for my wife, my, my father-in-law co-signed uh, for her car when, when she was 18 so that she could get a line of credit started. She never missed a payment. Her dad never had to bail her out. And I benefited from her having to get a line of credit so young because I didn't. So she bought our first car. Because I paid cash for mine, by the way. I was Dave Ramsey. He would have been proud of me. Therefore, I think you include her dad's decision to do that was very helpful to her and, and even us buying a house it was very very helpful now I have a good line of credit established myself so you can go both ways with this you can have a hard and fast rule that you will never co-sign for anybody at any time that's okay perfectly fine you can have that school of thought that's okay or I think you can go with the school of thought that you will co-sign only in rare cases I don't think you can be hard and fast on on any, on any side but but let me give you some words of advice. I know some of you are a long ways down the road, uh, farther than I am in this financial journey. So, so if you agree, say amen. If you think, what is this kid trying to teach us about finances? Just act like you're okay. But with the Proverbs I've read and what history's taught us, I called a couple guys in the finance world, um, called a loan officer, called a couple other uh, financial investors, and, and, and I got their, their thoughts, and I, I, I considered Proverbs. I looked at some facts. I would suggest this. I would say it's only wise to co-sign if you're co-signing for somebody who's already financially responsible. The chances are if, you've had an, if you have an established adult friend or an adult family member older than 18 years old who's asking you to co-sign, it's probably because the bank doesn't deem them as financially responsible. And you should be cautioned there. It's only wise to co-sign if you're co-signing for somebody who has strong character. This is important. Listen, if somebody's making foolish or unwise choices in other areas of life, it won't be long until that behavior leaks into their financial choices. So if they can't hold down a job, they're not going to be able to make a payment. Yeah. And, and I know that, that a lot of times it's the family members that come to us and such, and our heart goes out to them and all of that. And, and if you can't think with your head eyes wide open, and be, be able to identify whether or not they have character, you are in no way prepared to be a co-signer. You need to be able to unbiasedly separate yourself uh, from the emotion of the situation and your love for that human being, and you need to evaluate their life honestly. You need to seek counsel, um, see if they have the character that, that they need to have. And then I would say this, it's only wise to co-sign if the amount you're co-signing for is an amount that you can afford to lose. Okay, knowing the high risk there is of, of you having to assume the debt, can you pay it off without threatening your own financial stability? Okay, even if, if they have good financial character and good strong behavioral character, if you're not in a place where you, if that came back on you today, you could take care of that completely without being hurt yourself, you can't be a cosigner. It's not wise. 
Now, I think what my father-in-law did in co-signing for Jenny, I think, met these qualifications. She was 18 years old, had no way to establish a line of credit. She had strong character, both financially and behaviorally, and he could afford the debt if it backfired on him. But what about if a friend or family member needs help and your heart goes out to them, but they don't meet any of these qualifications? Well, don't co-sign. If you want to be generous and help them out and believe God is leading you to do it, here's the best way to do it. Give them a loan with no strings attached. It's the absolute best way. Now, I'm not real sure that I'm going to give people money who can't handle it. But if you are just so led to help a son, a daughter, a grandson, a granddaughter, a, a sibling, a, a co-worker, a friend, whatever. If you can't shake that and you want to be generous, the best way to do it if they don't meet these qualifications is not to co-sign. It's to just hand them some cash. No strings attached. But what if you do co-sign and it backfires? What if you have co-signed and now you're dealing with the backfire right now? What do you do? What steps do you take? How do you deal with it wisely? Solomon tells us in verses 3 through 5. And he says this. Take personal responsibility to deliver yourself. Look at verse 3. Do this now, my son, and deliver thy self look up here personal responsibility did you notice solomon told the co-signer to deliver himself meaning you got yourself into this mess and you should get yourself out if there's ever a message church in that in our society today that, that needs to be herald, heralded, it's this. Take personal responsibility for your financial mistakes. In the matter of co-signing, you would be tempted to put all the blame on the one that didn't live up to their end of the deal. You trusted them. You were generous toward them. And they let you down. It's their fault you're in this mess. And Solomon is saying, no, it's not. You knew the risk involved when you did this. And now it's up to you to fix it. You with me? So how do we deliver ourselves from this? How do we free ourselves of this debt that we incurred as a result of co-signing? You deliver yourself humbly, verse 3. And deliver thyself when thou art come to the hand of thy friend. Go, humble thyself. What does this mean exactly? Well, obviously it's going to take some humility to admit that even though you knew the risk involved with co-signing, you were wrong in co-signing. You made an inaccurate assumption of the individual that you co-signed for. You messed up. You gave into it. Maybe you thought with your heart, not your head. Whatever the case might be, it's going to take humility to admit that. But when you study the word of, of, of that word humble, here's what it literally means in the Hebrew language, to be trampled on. In this context, it means to go to the one that you co-signed for and let them trample on you. What does that look like? Well, it means that freeing yourself and getting the person to pay their debts may involve such humility that you had to let them trample all over you and call you every bad name under the sun as you tell them you will no longer enable them. It means that you might have to let them scream at you from their driveway as you put a for sale sign up on the car. You might just have to let them do that. It might mean the next day after confronting your buddy whose business you co-signed for that went south, 
You might have to get on social media the next, next day and watch as he tramples all over your good name. Says things like this, true friends don't turn their back on each other. True friends are true to their word. And all you did was confront him about not living up to his end of the deal. It might mean letting your own sister who is a struggling single mom lay a guilt trip on you and call you insensitive and selfish when you kick her out of the house so you can put it up for rent. Are you with me? Anytime you're trying to fix a bad choice, it will require humility. But in this case, it means literally that rocks are probably going to be thrown. Not literally, figuratively. It means you're going to feel like you're the one being attacked when you have every reason to confront them. This is reality. And Solomon says you've got to be willing to be trampled on. It's, just, it's part of it. But then he says this, deliver yourself relentlessly. Look at verse number three again. When thou art coming to the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Make sure thy friend. The phrase make sure literally means to plead urgently. Go study it. Go look it up. Synonyms. Pester. Bug. Beg. Annoy. It means leaving a string of messages on their phone until they respond. It means going over to the house multiple times a day until they answer the door. And once they do, it means you plea with them, even to the point of begging them relentlessly to pay off their debts. That would involve working out a plan that you keep them radically accountable to. They miss one payment and you relentlessly knock on their door again. You relentlessly leave them a voicemail again. Relentless accountability might mean letting the gas company or the electric company come to their house and turn off their gas or electric and you refuse to bail them out. It might mean that you're going to put that piece of property. I know this is relentless and almost looks heartless, but you're going to put that piece of property, that car, that house for sale, making them do without. This kind of relentlessness, listen, it will be a hassle on you. It will drain you of energy. It will strain the relationship as you get on their nerves and annoy them by your constant accountability. But it's absolutely necessary if you want to free yourself of this debt. And then he says, do this. Deliver yourself quickly. Look at verse 4 and 5. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a robe from the hand of the hunter, and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. He even says in verse 3, do this now. Don't even sleep until you deal with it. Be as hasty as that doe is whenever it senses a hunter nearby. Free yourself from this debt as quickly as a pheasant frees himself from the footsteps of an oncoming hunter. Question, why would Solomon be so adamant about our hastiness to get this right? So much so that he tells us, don't even go to bed until you do. Well, maybe because, a couple possibilities. Maybe because he knows a lot of people hate confrontation. In fact, you may have co-signed in the first place because you didn't like the potential confrontation that would happen if you said no. It's, not just, it's just not your personality to confront. And the longer you wait, Solomon knows, the more likely it is that you're just not going to deal with it. So he says, do it now. Maybe he stressed hastiness because he knew the pain and stress that financial debt brings into our lives. 
And the longer you wait to free yourself of this debt, the more your health deteriorates and the more stress that is put on your marriage and the more temptation it is to not tithe because you don't feel like you can afford it. Maybe he said do it quickly because he knew how much financial foolishness could affect your own reputation. And the longer you wait to make this right, the more your testimony is affected in your community and with your bank. Ultimately, Solomon says, the the best way to deliver yourself and the quickest way to deliver yourself, watch this, it's going to hurt, but it's true, pay it all off yourself. You, you, You might not be able to wait for your friend's credit to improve enough to take yourself off the loan. You're probably not going to be able to talk somebody else into replacing you as the cosigner. In some cases, you're not even going to be able to sell what it is they owe on. The only thing you'll be able to do quickly is take a hit yourself financially, learn from it, and refuse to ever do it again. That's pretty practical. To me, it's amazing some of the things that we find in God's Word. Literally, Solomon talks about the dangers of co-signing. Not a message that I would say, oh, I can't wait to write and tell our people it's dangerous to co-sign. It's going to change their life. Why would Solomon do that? Perhaps because he was the wealthiest man in his known world. And you got to know that on a regular basis, he got asked to be shorty for a friend. And I'm just thinking if he gets this specific, he didn't even talk about getting out of debt in general. He talked about getting out of debt as a result of co-signing. So he had to come from a place of experience where he was generous and it backfired. And he sat down his son. And he didn't necessarily say, don't do this in this text. He says, if you do this, let me tell you how to get out of this. Humbly, relentlessly, and quickly. So I would close by saying this. Be generous, but be wise. Even to the people you love the most. Knowing the dangers involved with co-signing, even for people you love, be so very careful. And if, watch, if you're thinking about co-signing, this is why I said my, my age demographic, we're, we, if you handle your finances correctly, you might be asked to do this for your 18-year-old in 10 years. There, there are some grandparents in here right now that, that, that have, are dealing with the consequences of generosity gone bad. And so we all need to take this in. It's only wise if you're co-signing for someone who's financially responsible, strong character, and if you can afford to lose the debt, the the money, by paying off the debt. If you've co-signed, please hear me, for somebody before and it didn't work out, don't ever co-sign for them again. Only a fool returns to his vomit. That's what Solomon says. The best way to show generosity towards people and to help people is to do it without any strings attached. Go hand them a $100 bill. Go hand them a $20 bill. Write them a check. If you, that's the least risky way, speaking of relationals, re, relational risk. For some, this message is preventative. There might come a time... When you're asked to co-sign, 
you say no, your spouse says yes. Bless you, Ollie. And you're going to have to go back to these biblical principles and say, let's talk about this from Solomon's point of view. So hide it away when that time comes. And for some in here, you've already co-signed and it's backfired. And if that's you, Solomon's clear on what to do. Take personal responsibility. Deliver yourself humbly, relentlessly, and quickly. If you agree with the Bible tonight, say amen. Amen, amen. amen. Miss Virginia, we come to the piano.